Hey, guys. No, I didn't. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> kind of felt like one of those game shows, you know, where you have somebody just like running from the back with the grabbing the microphone and then like having everybody shout and scream and get loud and crazy. Man, I'm excited, man. Sunday morning. Here we are. Dude, are you guys excited? We could have done worship for four hours. I was like, you know what? Let's just stay here till four o'clock. Nobody amen to me. So uh, there's that. No, I, I honestly, guys, I'm really excited today uh, just because it is 1030 a.m. service. We've been dreaming about doing this for quite some time. And I was nervous last night, like literally nervous. I woke up in the middle of the night just nervous. Isn't that strange? I mean, it's not nervous like something's going to go wrong or anything like that. It's just like that buzzing with excitement. Like, man, this is so great. <clears throat> I'm getting just like a, a tiny, tiny little bit of feedback, if, if you can help me with that. Thank you so much, Austin. Man, can we just like give a big round of applause to Austin James? If you guys don't know him, he takes care of us with our, with our sound, and you know we're sorting out more chairs now, so it's a good problem to have. I just, man, I just love, man. It's so good, man. I, I'm, I love you guys. Is it okay if I just get emotional right off the bat and just tell you guys how much I love you and how awesome you are? Um, so for those of you guys, yeah, if there's some seats next to you, just lift your hand up real quick. There's a few seats over here. There's one seat here. Okay, there's a few people with some seats open. So if you guys need seats. Yeah, if you want to sit in the splash zone, just come to the front. <laughs> man i i really am i'm excited i do love you guys i have been nervous but it's just like this genuine like giddiness i'm just like i'm so pumped about sunday morning i'm so excited that we're like growing up you know when 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 banning was here uh at the go conference um he was like how long have you guys been a church and i was like well five years and he said five years he's like no you haven't and I said, what are you talking about, man? Yeah, we, we've been a church for five years. He's like, nah, you don't actually plant your church until you have your Sunday mornings. <laughs> and so I'm just like, okay, that's cool with me. I mean, this is one great launch day, you know, and I, I'm excited about that. Um, you know, with, with the change of going from like Sunday afternoons to Sunday mornings, it's an, it's an interesting shift, right? Because on Sunday afternoons, you kind of have this thing where it's like, it's Sunday afternoon. I don't really have anything to do after this except go out to eat with my friends, right? Or my family or go home and go to sleep, right? We can just worship for three hours. With Sunday morning, it's like, it's a different vibe. You know, it's Sunday morning, you go and, and you have a few hours and then you go home or you have an hour and you kind of do this like, uh, you know, punch your time clock thing. Could we all agree to not do that? Like, you know, just who cares about, about punching our time clocks in? You know, let's worship Jesus. Let's go for it. Let's bring Jesus all the glory. Let's spend some time together. Let's grow in community. I think all that's gonna happen on Sunday morning. What do you guys think? So, amen, just please don't, you know, I know it's a shift, I know, I know we're getting used to it, I know it's a change, but it's a good change, amen? amen. So, uh, one of the things, a few just housekeeping announcements I want to make you guys aware of. You guys all know that we've talked about doing two Sunday morning services uh, starting in November. We're going to have those as long as we need those, okay? So, 
if every Sunday until then looks exactly like this, we'll do two Sunday morning services just to make sure that we got enough space for everybody to bring their family and their friends. Uh, but we're not going to add a service just to add a service. We want to do it because we need it, not just because we're trying to, you know, worship twice. We can just worship twice as long for all. Yeah, I don't mind. Um, but yeah, we really want to serve you well. We, we want to serve your family well. We want to serve uh, this community well. And uh, we want to make space for as we're sharing the gospel, amen, as we're sharing the gospel, to bring friends in, to bring coworkers in, to bring neighbors in, and all that stuff. That's really important to us. So just kind of keep up to date on that. We'll let you know if we're doing it. If we do, uh, it'll be at 9 and 11, uh, but we'll make sure to let you know. Also, um, our kids downstairs. I don't know if, if you have kids or not, or if you've noticed, um, it, it's so full down there. It's so full, actually, that to put more kids down there in those two rooms would be illegal. <laughs> so, uh, actually, it would be. So, uh, there's that. So, we, we, the, the reason why there's some children down in the cafeteria area, uh, if we, can we call it a cafeteria? Is that fine, Steve? So in the cafeteria area um, is because that's an extra classroom, okay? And that's for, the, that's for some of the older children. So if you have an older child that you're checking in, please don't take them there first. Please actually take them um, to, the, to the registration that's back there first, and then you can move them, or, or, or the teachers will help, and, th and they'll move them over there. Also, one of the things that we're doing, because downstairs is uh, our recognized children's area, we want to ask you, unless uh, you absolutely have to, to use the restrooms that are down in that cafeteria area so that those restrooms down there can be reserved for our kids. That's just, honestly, guys, that's just a safety measure. We want to keep our kids very protected, very safe, and... Um, we, we're coming in tomorrow. We actually have some people. Can I share this with you guys? We have some people coming in tomorrow at 10. We're so excited about it. It's a, a, a builder and an architect. We want to look downstairs at our kids' wing and see if we can, you know, add some things at some point to our children's wing and a, a lobby. I'm excited about it. So, House of Blessing people, you guys excited about that? I'm excited about that. Man, I, I really am. I just, I... I I think like probably like my biggest goal is just have this whole place just absolutely slam packed full of kids. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it's going to happen. Look at all the little kids we have in here. We had three kids born this week from our church. We're going to have to do baby dedications as soon as possible because uh, last time we did baby dedications, we waited like six months and there were so many babies that it was like, I feel like all we had time to do be like, their name's John, and their name's Adam, and their name's Greg. You know what I mean? It's like, baby, 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 baby. So we're going to have to do it. There's so many babies. Uh, so this is awesome, you know, but we want to, you know, we want to make sure that we're letting everybody know, hey, like, here, here's this child. Here's a little bit about them. You know what we know in a few days. And... Uh, you know, just letting you guys meet. It's just, it's just important, man. They're just as important to the family as anyone else is at two or three days old, at, an, at a minute old. Amen? They're a, part, they're a part of the family. They're a part of the kingdom. So um, 
For those of you guys who have been involved in our last three weeks, we are concluding today something we've been calling 21 Days of Devotion. How many of you guys participated in the prayer and the fasting that we just did all together as a church over the last 21 days? How fun was that? Guys, I had an absolute blast. I know that fasting is not always the funnest thing to do. It's not always the funnest activity, but the spiritual breakthrough that comes as the result of fasting is so wonderful, you really cannot measure it. And I I want you to know that if you were fasting and you haven't seen anything yet, I want you to take heart because a lot of times some of the greatest things that come as the result of our fast happen after the fast, not during the fast. All right, so if you were fasting, if you were praying for breakthrough, if you were going after something specific and you haven't seen it yet, could could I just say, take heart, stay patient, it's on its way. Amen? So, uh, and we've been here on Wednesday evenings and we've been praying and it's been kind of a come and go as you'd like. Uh, Prayer meeting, three hours every Wednesday. How many of you guys were a part of that at all? Wasn't that fun? That was amazing. I... I I was there for most all the three hours except for this past Wednesday because we had like a four-day-old and my wife couldn't pick up our one-and-a-half-year-old. So I was here. uh, Bo led us in worship. It was awesome. I loved that. Man, if you guys missed that, man, I wish there was a podcast because it was fun. But we're we're looking at continuing to do that as well uh, in the near future, so stay updated with that. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just... I'm, I'm just like reeling, buzzing with excitement because of what God's allowing us to be a part of together as a family. So today, what I want to talk to you guys about is family. Over the last 21 days in, in, in this, this days of devotion, 21 days of devotion, I was asking the Lord for a few things. Because I feel that as we've been pioneering here as one church together with Legacy and House of Blessing, that what God has been speaking to me is for us to forge the family. That's the word that I keep getting over and over again when I I pray and ask God, God, what's your goal for our church in this season? Have you ever prayed that before? God, what's your goal for me in this season? I've been been praying that, you know, what's, what's the point of this season? And I feel like God just keeps saying to forge the family, forge the family over and over again. And so during this 21 days, I was asking for a lot of things, but what kept coming up on the radar over and over and over again is family. So I want to talk to you guys today about family. So if you have your Bible, just open it up to Acts chapter 2. We're going to revisit some early church uh, stuff. And how many of you guys like the book of Acts? Man, I I really enjoy the book of Acts. You guys know that the book of Acts is the only book in the entire Bible that doesn't really have an ending? That's because we are the continuation of the book of Acts. Amen? So Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 42 through 47, and then um, I'll probably read it again before the end of the message, and then afterwards we're going to receive communion together. Amen? Amen? So verse 42 through 47 says this, and they devoted themselves, everybody say devoted, Devoted. to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. Wouldn't that be awesome? And all came upon every soul. What if East Nashville was just filled with awe because of how great God was in their life? 
And the many wonders and signs that were being done through the apostles. How many of you guys want to see that, yeah. right? The wonders and the signs, come on. <clears throat> and get this, verse 44, it says, and all who believed were together. Everybody say together. together. And had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, everybody say church, church. and breaking bread in their homes, small groups, <laughs> right? Come on. Somebody say bread. Did somebody give me a bread? Wood, wood. Um, breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. That's how I feel when I go to jail, Alexander's. <laughs> Carrot cake. You hadn't had that, man. You better go get one And when you watch the Titans lose today. <clears throat> Bless them, Lord. And they win in Jesus' name. Uh, praising God for having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Guys, that is such an amazing passage of Scripture right there. Wouldn't you guys agree? And, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the Word. We know that it's nourishing. We know that it's life to our body, to our soul, to our spirit. And today, as we open up the Scriptures and we talk about the Word of God and the revelation for this family and this season, God, we ask that you would just bless us, that you would enrich us and what we're doing all together to grow in unity and to see a move of the Spirit in the same way that Acts chapter 2 saw a move of the Spirit. And if you agree with that, just say amen. amen. So I want to tell you guys a little story um, real quick. So when I uh, first was saved, um, I loved going to church. I got to be honest with you. I, I absolutely loved going to church. I would start getting ready for church like three hours before church just because I was so excited about going to church. And um, I would pray. I'd put on worship music. I'd watch a T.D. Jakes sermon on DVD. And I would just, you know, have church before church. I would pregame, you know. And so I was... I was getting really excited about church, and so I would come in, and I was that crazy in the front, you guys. I got to be honest. I was the one that you'd point out and just be like, that guy is strange. You know, he's the guy that's crying when it's a fast song. Like, he's obviously not dialed in. It's a fast song. You don't cry on the fast songs, right? You cry on the slow songs, but I was crying on the fast songs. It's like a slow song. It's like somber, and it's calm, and I was like, yes. Lord, I'm like dancing on the slow songs. I wasn't cued in. You know, I just felt like the Lord said he wanted to dance with me, you know? And so I would dance and, you know, I wasn't, dude, I did not mind what anybody thought of me. I wanted to bring Jesus glory. There were even a few times that there were flags in my church, you guys, the church I got saved in, there were flags. And I remember one time I picked up a pink flag with gold tassels and I waved that thing like Jesus was on his way back that morning. I was that dude, man. You know, I just didn't care. I would go through a box of Kleenexes like the ushers knew where I sat and they'd just put a box right there in my pew. I sat right here on the front row. 
And man, it was just such a wonderful experience. I remember the first time I mustered up the courage to lift my hands in worship. Do you guys remember that day when you did that for the first time? And I lifted my hands up in worship and tears started to flow. And I remember the Lord spoke to me. He said, how's it feel to know that you're going to heaven? I said, oh, this is awesome. You know? And, you know, it's just like the, you know, the woman that poured out the oil on Jesus' feet, you know, she was forgiven much, so she loved much. I was that woman, figuratively. (laughs) Right? I had been forgiven so much that I was like, this is just, you know, I got to get the oil on the feet of Jesus. You guys know what I'm talking about? It just, I just didn't care. Honestly, you guys, you guys, I was oblivious that there was anybody else in the room. I'm just going to be honest with you. I didn't even know you existed. I was so like just locked in in my own little world with God that I didn't even care if the, if the service was transitioning. Sometimes they had to be like, hey, dude, it's okay. Worship's over because the preaching is happening. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> It just, I was in my own bubble. Anybody ever been in your intimate bubble with God like that before? You're just like, whatever, I don't care. I'm just going after God. And so I remember one morning, you know, worship was just, man, it was on fire and everybody was worshiping. And I grew up in a wild church, a wild church. Like if you weren't dancing, somebody might dance by you and like punch you in the chest and be like, come on, man, what are you doing? <laughs> Time to bring glory to Jesus. And um, so I was, I, was, I was out here in the front, man, and I was just, I love to, to pray at the altar. Don't you guys, that's why I love we got carpet up here. You just pray at the altar, you know. And so I, I was praying at the altar, and I was just lost in my zone, man. I was in my Jesus bubble, and I was saying to the Lord, God, it's so wonderful. I just, I love just having these intimate moments with you. I love to worship you. It's, it's just so perfect. It's so wonderful. And I really felt like I was in a vision with the Lord, and, and the Lord was just receiving my worship, and, and he was sitting right here, just sitting right on the altar, and there I was just pouring out my heart, you know, pouring out the oil on his feet, and we were in our bubble, and we were having a blast, and and I said, man, this is just awesome, Jesus. I love, I love to worship you. I love to bring glory to you. This is so awesome. And I remember Jesus spoke to me and he said, you know what would be even more awesome? I was like, yeah, what, what, would, what would be even more awesome than this? I can't wait. What are you going to say? And he was like, it would be even more awesome if you would go get other people and bring them into this place as well. Because what's awesome for me is this, but what's even more awesome is having more kids have this type of encounter with my love and with me in my presence. And I got this revelation that day. I mean, that may seem like, yeah, yeah, okay, well, duh, Lyle, right? But for me, I got this revelation, which was that worship and coming to church was not all about me. If you're waiting for me to start the message, that was point one. (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about. Like, you can go to church in our city in Nashville and never speak to the person next to you. 
Like if you go to barista parlor, which you should, because it's awesome. It's right over there. I go there quite often. We have a few people who work there who go to church here, and they're amazing too. And if you go to barista parlor, you will probably talk to a random stranger while you're in line looking at all those delicious chocolates they have. Right? You're like, hey, which one are you going to get? I don't know. Like, where are you from? Okay, cool. But you come to church. We come to church in Nashville, and we worship for two hours next to somebody, and we stay strangers with them. We never talk to them. We never find out where they're from. We never hear anything about their testimony, and we're just like, yeah, you know, I was punching my time clock. Church is all about me and my encounter. You know what I'm talking about? And I think it's great that we have a revelation that the Spirit wants to, wants to meet us, but I think we also need a revelation that Jesus did die for you, but not just for you. Jesus died for you, but not just for you. Amen? And so his desire for us is that we would come before him, not just as individuals, but that we, would be, that we would come before him as a family in community and in unity and bring glory to God. Amen? That is the answer to Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17. So as I mentioned, I've just been hearing all this stuff about family, so I've decided to revisit it. Because I really feel as we're forging the family, what we need to do is champion some values. What do we care about as a church? What do we care about as a family? Do we care about the Bible? Do we care about love? Do we care about generosity? Do we care about community? Do we care about family? What are some of those things, right? What do we, what do we care about? What are we passionate about? What do we feel like Jesus has spoken to us to do as a community, right? And so I, I've been praying into that. And my wife has this great saying, and she probably doesn't remember that she said it to me. But she said, you know, Lyle, we don't need to talk about what we don't know. We just need to talk about what we do know. It would seem simple. But I'm like, you're right. There's a lot of things I'm not sure about. But there are some things I'm very sure about. And one thing I'm very sure about is that God wants us to be a family. So there's a lot of things I'm not sure about, guys. I'll be honest with you. We want to pioneer. We want to track with the Holy Spirit. But if there's anything that I'm boldly confident sure about is that for legacy that we're not supposed to simply exist as a ministry but we are to truly practice family we're supposed to be a family I, I believe that with all my heart what do you guys think do you guys hear banning's message at go for far too long we've approached the church as a business but it's not a business it's a family and how you amen it's not a business it's a family and so one of the statements he made was how you approach something is going to determine how you interact with it. So if you approach the church as a business, then Sunday morning is simply going to be punching your time clock, right? That's all it's going to be. But if you approach the church as a family, you, you know, you approach it like Thanksgiving. You're like, this is the best, most awesome get together we've ever had. I can't wait to hang out and spend time with my family today. Maybe you guys don't feel like that at Thanksgiving. I feel like that at Thanksgiving. I personally, I do. I, they, my grandparents do deep fried turkey. It is awesome. I'm excited, right? And it's a great word. It's a really good word. And we're, you know, here's Jesus, man. You know, we're, we're all together pulling up a seat at the table. And we're experiencing family together. And so as, as I kind of kick off what I think is probably going to become a bit of a sermon series on family, I begin to study. 
And if you're a preacher or you aspire to be a preacher, let me tell you about a temptation that is going to come your way when you start preaching. You'll begin to study to preach rather than to study to learn. Seriously, that's what you'll start to do. Because, you know, there's a lot of things that, that we do from week to week. And you're like, well, I just want to, you know, get a good word. And you, you start listening to sermons, reading books, and you're compiling your notes. And, and your purpose is to give it to other people whenever God wants you to eat as well. And so what I tried to do this week is, for the last two weeks actually, I've tried to just shut that thing off. Like, you know, if it feeds me, it's going to feed them. That's something Bill Johnson had written on his desk in Weaverville. If it feeds me, it'll feed them. And so instead of focusing on trying to give you guys food, I just tried to focus this past week on just receiving and eating and then just sharing with you guys what the revelation was that I feel like God was, was laying out. Is that okay? So I'm kind of giving you guys a little bit of a Bible study today. Is that okay? It's not a two-point, three-point message. There's probably not a lot of, you know, choice places where you can, like, you know, take a lap or anything. But if you want to, that's fine. I endorse you. Um, I'll take one with you. Um, Nobody take a lap. I'll have to take a lap. Isaiah might, my son might. But so I, I really, I, I really looked at the scriptures and I began to to examine them because you see people talking about family all the time. Man, church is a family. We're a family. Church is supposed to be family. And you hear those things and it's good to your heart. But the reality is when we come into the church, we all have our own version of family. Don't we? So when we get up here and say, Man, the church is a family, for some of you guys, that's awesome. You're like, that's amazing because I love my family. But there, there are some people in here like, that's a terrible idea. My family is the worst. I, I don't even know my family. Some people have that experience, you know. And so it's really important that as we say, hey, we're supposed to do family, we need to be able to define family from God's perspective. And the reason why I read that passage of Scripture to you guys, because I feel like that's one of the best pictures of what family looks like in the early church according to the scriptures because there's a lot of definitions of family and there's a lot of definitions of church but how many of you guys know that we don't just need to google a good definition we need to look to the scriptures and let God define what family and what church looks like because I don't know about you guys but as a Christian I want to live out a biblical expression of church anybody else in here do you guys have a value for the bible some of, the, some, of the, some of the things we tend to do as Christians, I think, is like we try and define or, or practice or we list values or we set goals or, you know, we do all these things, right? But what's most important, we need to look at the scriptures because what does the Bible say? Because you can do a lot of good stuff and yet not be biblical. You could grow a mega church and it not be biblical. There's people who have done it. Go to YouTube, listen to Francis Chan. Grew a church to 5,000 people and resigned because it wasn't a family. I listened to some of his stories this past week. Blown away. You know, what's interesting about family when you look at it in the scripture is, if you open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, you guys can probably all quote it by heart. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Well, when you look at that word God, what is that word? It is Elohim. Do you know that that word is not singular, but plural? It's a plural word. Elohim is plural. And we know that 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 is the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son. What about those familial terms, right? When, when, When God gave us a description of himself, he said, I'm the Father. 
It's kind of hard not to see family when God's like, I'm your dad, right? I'm gonna send my son, right? It's, 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 it's hard to miss family, right? But that's what happens in the beginning. You know, God, he creates, and he creates a lot of stuff, you guys. He creates light, the sun, the moon, the stars, the ocean, land, trees, animals, right? He does all this creating, and he looks at it, and he's like, that's good. That's good right there. But then what happens next? He begins to create Adam. Adam, Adam is the Hebrew word for mankind, right? He creates, creates mankind. And when he forms Adam, not only does he look at Adam, our first dad, right, and say it's good, but he says, ooh, this is very good, right? It's the very first thing that he says that's very good. Well, what's also interesting is that the first time that God ever says that something is not good is whenever he looks at Adam and he said, it is not good that man would be by himself. That's the, that's the first time God says something's not good. All this stuff is good, 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 good. And then he's like, but man's by himself, not good. So that really defeats this whole notion of, I don't need anybody but me and God. Well, God actually said you do. He said that is not good, and that's not me. I'm saying that it's good for you to have a helper. So what happens? He creates Eve. Here's what happens between Adam and Eve. They are married. It says clearly in the Bible that that's his wife. They then have kids, and they become humanity's first parents. So here's what's awesome and very obvious about Genesis 1 when it comes to family. When God created the world, he also created family to shape that world. That's what he did. He created family to shape the world. And so on this huge planet, right, of like land and sea, animals and plants, God sets up family, everybody say family, family. as the primary tool to shape both nature and society. That's what God does. He creates us to create together. And this is kind of God's plan A, guys. This is where he starts. Whenever God decides to cultivate the planet and plunder the works of the devil, he creates family. He said, I, through family, I'm going to cultivate the earth and I'm going to plunder the works of Satan. <laughs> God's first plan to destroy the works of the enemy was family. See, hell always tries to separate what God brings together. You know, the, even the word devil in the Greek, that's the word diabolos, which translates out as division. It's in Satan's name. His, his goal is to separate you, separate you from friends, separate you from family, separate you from church. You don't need any of that stuff. It's just you and God and some podcast. You're all good. God actually says, no, no, that's not good. And what you think you're gonna be able to do, you're not gonna be able to do because you're not in family. Are you guys with me this morning? So to say it another way, family is God's preferred and primary method for world change. God gives us a holy prescription to write history and it's called family. I'm going to slay my own spirit. <laughs> I'm excited about this, man. 
Glory. Thank you, Father. <laughs> this is Genesis 1, right? So 10 generations later, uh, we all know the story of Noah. If you know the story just of Noah, just say amen. amen. So God's preparing to wipe out humanity with the flood. You know, he's like, he's disgusted by all the sin in the world. And what God does, he makes a covenant with Noah, but he not only saves Noah as an individual, he saves all of Noah's family members as well. Why is that? Because God's desire is not just to save a man. God's desire is to save a family. If, if, if you are the only person in your family that's saved, just understand that you are a pioneer. You are a precursor. God chose you first because his purpose is to bring your entire family into its kingdom purpose, not just you as an individual. God's still inviting families into the ark. I don't, I'm just going to go crazy, honestly. There's some oil on this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so 400 years later, what happens? God calls a man named Abram. Everybody say Abram. Abram. So what God does, he speaks to Abram. And he doesn't just say to Abram, hey, I want you to leave your home country. He says, I want you to take your family and I want you to leave your home country and go to a land that I'm going to show you. And along with this command, God gives Abram an extraordinary promise. That promise pertains to family. What does he say? He says, in you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Thanks, Abraham. You're blessed because of this promise that God gave our father of faith, Abraham. You know, this was God's plan all along. It wasn't just to choose one per person, but to choose a family to bless and to work through. And we see that in Abram's life. We know that God kept his word. Thousands of years later, you guys, the apostle Paul that wrote most of the New Testament referred to Abraham as the father of us all. Every Christian. So you can read through the Old Testament if you want. I challenge you to do that. That was some of my study this week. And what you're going to find is that you're going to see the same method continue over and over again. Is that family is actually God's preferred and primary method for world change. When God wants to write history, when God wants to intervene with humanity, he doesn't just pick a man, but he picks a family. You guys with me? So um, what's interesting to me is when you look at Genesis 1-1 and you say, okay, family is evident in that passage. Elohim, right? The plural, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's family. I can see family in that. Genesis 1-1. God starts the Old Testament with family. But have you ever looked at Malachi chapter 4 verse 6, which is actually the last verse of scripture in the Old Testament? You know what it says? Come on, man. It says, he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. God starts the Old Testament with family and he finishes the Old Testament with family. Look at the person next to you say, family is important. It's important. God, be God began, man, by creating and working through family and he has continued ever since. Ever since, he's, that's how he's been doing it. And this family theme, uh, in the Old Testament, talking about family. It doesn't discontinue in the, old, in, in the Old Testament. It doesn't stop with the New Testament. It actually grows. God actually takes the family theme of the Old Testament and he stretches it and he grows it so we see family even the more evidently in the New Testament. 
Look at Matthew chapter one, verse one. God not only finishes the Old Testament with family, he then starts the New Testament with family. Wow. Mind blown. He starts talking about the natural genealogy of Jesus. We see it right there, right? And so I'm going to continue in this Bible study now and talk to you a little bit about Jesus and the family, right? We see, we see family in creation in the beginning. We see family in the Old Testament. And then when we get to the New Testament and we see the Son of God arrive on the scene, we see Jesus taking this theme of family, consistently talking about it, but then expanding it. He goes beyond this normal nuclear understanding of a family as just a mom and a dad and some kids. He goes beyond that. He actually starts to talk about a superior reality of spiritual family. He starts to talk about spiritual family as family. Not just like, hey, brother, like a religious term. He's like, no, no, that actually means brother. You guys with me? It actually means sister. It actually means mother. It actually means father. Like, you guys are going to have real family. This is not just religious terminology. You're not just getting a name badge when you join the church that says, Brother Philip. You know? But you're actually a brother in the family of faith. Amen? Amen. We're going we're gonna to keep going. So one, one, one evening, you see Jesus. He's preaching to this house church, right? And as he's preaching, you know, I'm not sure exactly what he's preaching on. He's probably healing some people, and it's, it's going awesome. And um, his mom and his brothers, they're outside. They can't get in. They can't fit in the door because it, it's so packed full of people who are there listening to Jesus. So they send a runner, and they go up, and they interrupt Jesus' sermon, and they tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, Jesus, just real quick, you know, not trying to introduce, interrupt your sermon, but it's actually something very important, something very, very, very important, okay? I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Your mom is here. She wants to talk to you. Now, how many of you guys know that today, if somebody came to this door, tapped me on the shoulder and was like, yo, your mom is here? She wants to talk to you. How dishonorable would it be for me just to keep preaching? It's really important, Lyle. Your mom is here and, and your brothers are here too. Okay, so as dishonorable and disrespectful as it would be for me to do that today, it would be 10 if not 20 times more disrespectful and dishonorable for Jesus to do that in his culture in that day. Honor your mother and your father. That was when the Ten Commandments were really important. <laughs> obviously, it doesn't mean that anymore. It's different now. It's completely different. <laughs> Jesus says, who is my mother and my brothers, right? That's what he says. And then, and then he, he stretches out his hand, and, he, and he's like, you know, kind of looking over the, the congregation in the house church. And this is what he says. He says, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. So see, what is Jesus doing? He's taking our definition of family. We know how God's worked through the Old Testament. He's taking this definition of family, and he's stretching it. What he's telling him, what he's telling us is, he said, anybody who accepts me, anybody who does the will of the Father, which is to receive Jesus, is a part of your family. Yeah. You ever think about that? Anybody who receives me is a part of this family. It's my family. It's the family of God. And Jesus continued to make this family theme an evident value throughout his entire earthly ministry. As people would follow Jesus, he didn't just invite them to be a disciple. He invited them to be a member of his family. See, Jesus' goal for discipleship was family, not submission. 
See, a lot of times when we think about discipleship, it's like, well, my whole goal in this is just to get people to listen to me and do what I say because I'm your discipler. Right? But see, that wasn't Jesus' goal. Jesus' ultimate goal was friendship in the context of spiritual family. He was discipling us unto something, and that's not just so that we would listen real good, but that we would relate to him as family. He said, no, no, you're not a slave. You're not just a worker. You're not just a hireling. You're not just my kingdom employee. You're my family. You guys guys together? So that's what we see Jesus doing. And honestly, guys, God's desire never shifts. It it continues to stretch. Uh, God never stopped working through family. We see that in the uh, passage of Scripture that we just read. Once Jesus ascends, you know, he, he, he goes up and the Holy Spirit comes down. Uh, we see Christians, people who believed in Jesus, they are relating to one another as family even before the Holy Spirit falls. Whenever, if you, if you, read, if you read closely and you look at the 120 that are in the upper room, you'll see that as Peter stands up to begin to talk to the 120, he starts to address them as brothers. He starts to talk to them as family. This, this is even before the Holy Spirit comes. He, say, he starts talking to them. You're my family. We're in unity. We're together. That's in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 2, we know that the Holy Spirit comes, right? And then uh, Peter gets up to give the first sermon of the early church. And who is he preaching to? Have you ever thought about this? He is preaching to the exact same people that just crucified Jesus. A few days before, man, he was running away. But now he's filled with the Spirit and thus empowered and emboldened to preach the gospel without apology. To say, this Jesus who you guys crucified, he is Lord. He is God. But he doesn't do it with hatred, but he does it in love. And he addresses the same people that just crucified his best friend as brothers. See, that's God's goal for families. That we would not just look at one another and say, well, this is my family because they go to legacy. But God's trying to get us to zoom out and look at the people that God has chosen to be a part of his kingdom and relate to those people even as family as well. That's challenging, huh? So Peter gets up and he preaches this apostolic sermon, right? You can read it. It's all there in, in Acts. He preaches to the same people who just crucified Jesus. He preaches to them as a family. He said, you guys are my family. I'm gonna preach to you guys because I love you guys because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I'm filled up with the Holy Spirit and you guys don't know that he did this for you yet, but, but you're my brothers, man. We're fellow Jews. And, and what happens? These people who just crucified Jesus, they watched As Jesus was flogged, as he was whipped, as he was torn into pieces, they gambled for his garments. They witnessed, they they made fun of him while he was hanging on the cross. And after this sermon that that Peter gives in Acts chapter 2, how do they respond? The first words out of their mouth is this, brothers. Brothers, what should we do? See, this is the result of apostolic preaching. It unifies and it creates family. And people who are formerly estranged now know that they have a place at the table 
And this is what kingdom is. Because we start to reach out, we start to proclaim Jesus in such a way that people feel welcome to be a part. This is what apostolic preaching does. It creates family. See, that, that, that's what God does. He, he, he just unifies all these things that the devil tries to separate. Because the devil's aware of the power of unity in family. Because he was an onlooker as well in Acts chapter 2. Whenever the church was in one place with one singular focus. See, we spend so much time praying for revival. I, I heard about this Ethiopian bishop that has a church of a million people. A million people. I met him a few years ago. I told you guys about him. And he said, we never prayed for revival. We only prayed for unity. Notice that in the upper room, the disciples, the 120, they're not up there praying for revival. They're just together. (laughs) They're they're in unity. You know, we spend so much time praying, asking God for stuff, and he's like, man, if you guys could just (laughs) have my heart for one another, it just makes this whole process so much easier. The early church, they weren't praying for revival. They were just patiently, in unity, obeying Jesus. They were just practicing patient obedience to Jesus together. They didn't have any church growth strategies. They didn't have any books up there. You know, you guys read that one, and I'll read this one, then we'll get together, and we'll make a keynote. (laughs) Right? They're just trying to obey Jesus together. And that's what we learned from Acts chapter 2. This is what happens when, when, when there's apostolic preaching. This is nothing short of revival, you guys. Whenever Peter explains this, 3,000 people get saved. And whenever the, 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 the crowd responds saying, brothers, family, what should we do? He's like, hey, this is for you too. But this is also what Peter says. He's, it's not just for you, but it's for your families. Do you guys see that part of the sermon? It's for your family too, and not just the family that you have inside of your house, but it's for your families and your kids' kids, and there's kids too. Yeah. It doesn't leave anybody out. Yeah. It's for the whole family. 3,000 people get saved. See, it's in family that the early church experienced the first great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's in family that the early church experienced the first great harvest of souls. If it's okay with you guys, I got about 10 more minutes and I'll finish. Two people, okay. Going for it. All right. So what we see here, guys, is that in Acts chapter 2, when this revival takes place, right, we see that the, 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 the universal church, right, the church, it gets started, but that it also is localized, meaning the church goes local. They start this local expression of community that we just read. That's how we started. They start a local church. And if you're confused or you're wondering, what is that about, Lyle? What's the universal church? What's the local church? Right, well, Jesus said, we read it earlier, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is a part of my family. That means if you're saved, you are a part of the church, capital C, church. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm sorry, you're a part of the church. Uh, you know, some people, they, they're really passionate about not being a part of the church. Well, if you're a Christian, you're in. 
Sorry. <laughs> you're a part of the universal church. That's just the way it goes because that's the way Jesus set it up. You're a part of the body. That's the church, right? In the same way that you're born into a family, when you're born again, you're born into a family. It's called the church, the universal church, right? That's every single believer in Jesus globally is a part of that church. But what happens in Acts chapter 2 is that this church, right, all these believers, they're not only, you know, happy about, well, I'm, I'm a part of the church. They create a local expression called the local church, right? You guys ever been to a family reunion before? Yep. Right? You got a whole lot of people. They're all related, but they get together every now and then to celebrate. Yeah. See, that's what local church is. There's a, you know, we're all believers. There's a lot of local churches. There's a lot of family reunions happening on Sunday morning right now, yeah. right? But we come together as a local church. Here's what a local church is. I know there's better definitions, but here's what a local church is. It's a community of professing believers in Jesus that meet in a particular location on a regular basis. That's what it is. That's what the local church is. And when the New Testament starts in Acts 2... Uh, you know, well, excuse me, the New Testament church starts in Acts 2. We see believers who are part of the universal church localizing. They start getting together. They start practicing things together. That's what they read. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayers. All came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together, had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as, as any had need, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. If you were a part of that local church, that's what it would look like. You'd be devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to breaking of bread, sharing meals. How many of you guys like to eat? Yes. Well, God's like, eat together. It's awesome. So what the local church does. And they devoted themselves to prayer. And then the rest of the scripture, we see the result of that. So here's what I want to say, guys. I want to draw your attention. And, and keys can come. We're going to close. We're going to take communion as well. But keys can come. Um, verse 42 says this. And they devoted themselves. Everybody say devoted. devoted. There's a lot of people who would say, man, the church is not family. That's the, that, that is, there's, there's no way it is. But those people, I've, I've seldom met people who hear that, who are devoted and don't experience that. Right. It's like they got one foot in and one foot out. Like, I'm waiting on somebody to make it family for me. You have to devote yourself to it. Yes. It's, <laughs> you guys get what I'm saying? You're, you're taking personal responsibility to have the experience that you want not waiting on someone else to create it for you. Yeah. See, that's church as a business. Yeah. I create something for you that you come enjoy as a consumer. Right? right. right. Come on. right? Yeah. That's church as a business. Church as a family says, okay, in the Bible, it says we're supposed to do family. And so I'm gonna take personal responsibility. I'm gonna devote myself to enjoy the expression of church as outlined in the Bible, not because somebody does it for me, but because I take responsibility. I don't outsource my responsibility to leaders to be the church. 
I don't outsource my responsibility to be a normal Christian to church leaders. Right? So what it, what it says here, it says, you know, that they devoted themselves to the fellowship, right? And I'm, I'm not even gonna hit the other things. There's, there's other things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching as one. That means they organized under qualified leadership. If you and one of your friends go out and have a beer, that's not the local church. Nobody, nobody was with me on that. This is my church here, bro. No, it's not. You can be the universal church in the sense that you're both believers and you're a part of the church, but just going and just, that's my church. Biblically, it's not a church. Okay, anyways, I'm going nowhere with this. It's like a brick balloon, just woo. But here's the thing, is that the word there, fellowship, is koinonia. And you know what that word means literally? To participate. To participate. If you're gonna experience church as family, if you're gonna experience that fellowship, here's what's gonna be required. Participation. Can I get one good amen out of that one? Participation is gonna be required. If we're gonna have an Acts chapter two church experience, we're gonna need an Acts chapter two church participation. But not waiting on somebody else to set it up for us and then coming in and experiencing the benefits of it. All right, so what I wanna do, I wanna invite uh, Carl and Lila and uh, Tony and Amy, they're gonna help us. And uh, this is how we're gonna do communion today. We're gonna do it as a family. You guys excited about that? Yeah. So. Yes, yes, good, good, good. Guys, here's what I believe. I believe that God, this might be a stretching statement, but I believe it with all my heart. I believe that God wants everybody to be a part of a local church. You know why? Because God wants everybody to be a part of a family. And in Ephesians chapter two, verse 19, it says this, you are members of God's family. Psalm 68 and six says, God places the lonely in families. And so as we're taking communion today, you guys are gonna take it in groups, okay? You're taking it in groups together. Is, here's what I wanna challenge you as you're, as you're coming up, just as you're coming up to just receive, it's grape juice and bread. As you're coming up to receive this, here's, here's what I wanna ask you. Is this, is this message from God, right? Is this, is this message from God? And if it is, then what does that mean for you? Are you a part of a local church family? I know you're at a church Sunday morning launch today. You, you are probably a part of this one. But if you're not, I wanna encourage you to find a local church family. It's, it's biblical. I wanna encourage you to take your place in a family. You are a part of the universal church, but God's design is for you to be a part of a local church as well. So if necessary, I just wanna ask you guys, renew your commitment today to your local church family. If, if you go to another church, if you're just visiting from out of state and you have that somewhere else, that's awesome. Just want you to ask the Lord if that's for you to do that. And if, that, if, if you're here and you're here once every three months and this doesn't feel like family to you, it's not our fault. 
Real talk, man. Seriously. We want to do it well. We don't always do it well. We're sorry. If, if, if somebody's hurt you, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not Jesus. I won't have a perfect track record, but here's what I want to do. I want to love you. I do. I don't always do that well, but I want to. But that's where you guys help. That's where we come in together. We do family together, right? So I just want to invite you to stand, please. And uh, Carl and Lila are going to come and Tony and Amy. So guys, here's how we're going to do this as we close. Some ushers are going to help kind of dismiss you by rows. So, you know, first row go and then we'll make our way back. And so just come up, grab a piece of the bread, dip it in the juice. These guys are going to speak over you. And then what I want you to do when you go back to your seat, find two or three people. All right. Take it with your wife. Take it with your friend. Find two or three people around you and, and just pray together. This is, how, this is how we're gonna end today, guys. Just pray together and, and just receive communion. Pray over each other, all right? This is, this is church, all right? So let's go. We can start. what time it is now and I don't want to break the, the, the moment at all but because I know we have kids this is just how we're going to finish the service today we were I was going to have Kristen come up and make a few announcements but I won't do that I'm just going to let I'm just going to let you guys this is the end of the service okay so once you take communion together you're dismissed you can go as you please pick up your kids is there anything that they need to know Kristen if you have connect cards if you're new please we want to follow up with you we want to connect with you you can drop your connect card right there at the table. We love you guys dearly. Let's pray together. Let's practice family and um, enjoy communion. Yeah, also the ministry team will be here to pray um, for you as well. If you'd like to receive some personal prayer, you can do that. You can pray up here in the front with those guys.